What's going on with dance and stuff? What's happening with dance and things? What's going on? What's happening? What's going on with dance and stuff? Oh, well. Doesn't it feel like it's been a long time? Since I've been in my apartment? Well, I mean, that that's true. That's not just a feeling. That's real life. That is real life. That is real life. Yeah. Um, or doesn't no, it feel like it's been a long time since Trump was president? <laughs> well, it's been literally endless. I don't remember what it was like before, but um, no, it feels like it's been longer than a week since we talked. Um, it hasn't. But I know that's true. But also we didn't do a lot of um, in between talking this week. We didn't. We didn't. No. It was a real... No. Um, just, I'm going to go turn off my air purifier. Just filled with... Uh, yeah, this was a week of... Just filled with shock and not shock and um, <laughs> exhaustion. Shock and not shock. Yeah, I mean, it's... it's uh, uh, You know, I, it's just so incredible to me that people would shout, you know, uh, whatever they were shouting, like, hang Mike Pence. And he was still like, no, I'm not going to do the 25th. Right. Well, <laughs> just, but there's, like, none of that surprising. No, it's none of it is. Here's the thing is it's not surprising. Like, that's the thing is it's, this is, this relentless assault is uh, not surprising. And, um. No, yeah, I don't expect any kind of, retribution i expect no no redemption when it comes to donald trump it's just like this government has shown us for the last four years that they they actually don't somehow care they they don't think that like good behavior matters in the name of i don't even know what i guess their own financial interests or something i believe so I do believe so. I think that they, um, that this is a real, like, you know, and I've said it on this podcast before, like, that we think we live outside of the era of kings and queens is hilarious. You know, that we think that we have, like, transcended the time of kings and queens is a real, like, no, hun. (laughs) Donald Trump has absolutely just behaved as if he is the emperor this entire time. And they've mm. like basically entertained it. Like, mm. isn't this isn't this hilarious? Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh! I, like, what does it even matter? I mean, I'm pissed that we're likely going to end up having to use our tax dollars to like support him for the rest of his life. But you know what? The rest of his life hopefully won't be that much longer. No, no, and um, I mean, I, I, New York is so major. Big, like, shout out to New York. I do love New York. You, you know that we cut all ties, all contracts, everything. Mm-hmm. With uh, with him is, is so fierce. It is such a, like, do not show your face here. Um, and, you know, may yeah, it be the great. same for Ivanka and the rest of his, like, hideous brood. Because Ivanka's planning on coming back to New York. And it's like, no, hun. Bye. You can't. Well. Um, anyhow, so it's, I mean, it's sorry to like launch right into it, but, um, you know, that and our like highest death days of COVID, but, um, it's a real, America has really turned into it. Ugly, ugly party. And, um, it's just like, where's my car? (laughs) It's just like, get me out. It's just I feel like yesterday or two days ago I felt like really fired up about it all, but somehow today I'm just like in in kind of coming to terms with that there will be n- no um retribution plot twist. Right, right. You know, there right. there there's it's just gonna carry on as it has been, where like he never actually gets in trouble for the horrible things he does, and there's this like base of Republicans that support him in a way that's totally shocking. And um, that's how it goes. It's just how it goes. Yeah. And it is this thing of um, really of rape culture. I mean, he is uh, a rapist. You got away with that. And mm-hmm. um, 
continue, you know, got to like boast H- hired, about that. Hired another a rapist onto the Supreme Court. Uh-huh. And, uh, <clears throat> and that, as I like, you know, voice broke and lost it about last week, um, that is, that is a real, like, uh, I'm just sending lots of love and support to survivors. This has all felt like one triggering, long, endless rape of someone getting away with it. And um, uh, so how can we focus on what we can do is really the thing. I mean, that's the thing, too. It's like we signed all those petitions. We donated the money we could. It's, you know, it's... um seemingly yeah. Democrat and neolibs don't have the same kind of unhinged um, uh, malice to go and like storm a Capitol building or really not, I'm not going to call malice. I'll just call it insanity of uh, storming mm-hmm. a Capitol building and running through and putting their feet up on people's desks. Jack, I can't hear you. Well, that's on your side, babes. Oh, now, now I can hear you. No, it's not. I love that you're accusing me of technological problems. Well, it's because I have literally used the same plug-in headphones since whenever. And well, it s- wasn't your headphones. It was something else. It was like you went away into the into the web. Well, that could also happen because the web is also, I'm sure, taxed. The web is taxed yeah. as we, you know, also stay separate. But anyways, we were talking about these insane people and basically we just have to like keep chipping away and moving towards something better because the truth of the matter is there will be no justice when we Mm -hmm. think about about um, punishment for all these old white men because we don't yet live in a place where old white men get punished. So... As Mm-mm. as shown by the siege on the Capitol, white people don't really get punished. No. And they don't live in fear of getting punished because of behavior like that. Yeah, so, I even have to take it off of like, you know, old white men because it's like there have been there have also been women involved oh, in this that are young, young white men. Yeah, young white men, young white women. I mean, hand, it's, well, it's, piano scarf. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, I mean, also, what about like Kelly Loeffler and, you know, Kelly Loeffler and people um, like that. Tommy Lauren, lots of people. Tommy. <clears throat> I think it's Tommy. I'm going to go ahead and call her Tommy. Tommy Lawrence. Tommy Lawrence. Uh, um, um, wait, what was I going to say? Crazy white people. Hideous. Uh, disgusting. Exactly. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, worthless trash. That's just, that's just absolute mm-hmm. worthless trash. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we just keep looking towards small improvements that seem to be happening. Let's hope. Fingers crossed. Yes. Well, the pendulum swing, honey, the pendulum swing. And, um, you know, it's, uh, uh, I don't, I mean, no one who's listening to this has a, a divergence of opinion and hopefully we're not just triggering you into despair. Let's talk about, I don't know. I don't even know what, you know, it's such a, look, here's what I'll say. And in terms of current life, I'm back in Brooklyn. I love Brooklyn. I love it. I absolutely, I love my neighborhood. I love Brooklyn. We got in, let me tell you what's crazy. Um, What is crazy is uh, parking. That (laughs) is, I look you know, and walking by the, as you've told me, the restaurants that have made, you know, just restaurant bubbles outside, <laughs> just, yeah. just full. It's a rest. It's enclosed. It's enclosed. And it's just it's outside. Just a restaurant. It's, it's just now it, it's at the bus stop. Now. It's just a restaurant on the street that is taking up. Like I, I, you know, at first I was like, Oh, it takes up four spots a corner. I was like, this is taking up like six spots a corner. Um, it also seems like everyone in New York who could get a car got a car. Um, and, uh, so parking was really, wow, Jeremy, when Jeremy gets mad is, um, <laughs> it's uh, you've seen it before. I think I've seen it. Did you, I've did seen you it the most. Did you car with him? Oh, I absolutely was like, we will drive around and find a spot. It, you know, and then. 
And I parked it in a spot, which, you know, I'll, I'll see it a day if I got a ticket or not. Eventually it was like, you know what? I, I, I can't. Like, I am, um, like, cleaning the house, packing up the house, packing up, like, enough of what we're going to bring back with, like, contingency packing and getting back, um, you know, listeners, my, my downstairs neighbor got COVID and, uh, so, and so we've, I've been texting with him. It seems like, seems like he's beat it. And I'm very touched. He also went through our hallway with a medical UV lamp, which, Incredible. which I was like, that is so sweet. I, and I said, probably completely unnecessary. And thank you so much. <laughs> much. I said, I just, I just need to use the basement to do some laundry. Um, and, uh, yeah, I don't know my, um, but I did stay in, stay in the car with the parking. I need the restaurant thing, this kind of like restaurant outdoor thing to, um, to cease and desist. It's just like open. It will not. I mean, then good luck. Open your windows then in your restaurant. I mean, it's like, it's, it all feels the same. It's, uh, I, I just, you know, um, well, as you said, may we all just be vaccinated and not have to worry about this anymore. It's really got to speed up on the vaccination front. And it does look um, like, you know, as the Biden team comes in, that that is going to speed up. I did hear from some people who uh, from someone who works in the medical field that, that when the vaccination started at Mount Sinai this past Monday, there was a seven hour wait on each per like it ended up like getting so blocked up that people were waiting for seven hours. That's fine. I mean, what does it matter? Seven hours, just take the day off and get vaccinated. It's truly like one of the biggest milestones in any one of our lives. Nobody we know has lived through anything like this. No, So except for spend- me when I was, you know, oh, I remember in 1918 <laughs> when I was like, well, and I was still drinking at that point. So we just got, we just lived off of alcohol and cigarettes. We we tried mm-hmm. to get to um, mm-hmm. uh, Marrakesh, which is where we thought it'd be best to hold out, but we didn't want to get on a boat. So we just stayed in New York. No, no, that's this right. Is, so you, you might not want to wait seven hours because you've already lived through this. I've been through this when I was. But the rest of us were going to, you... <laughs> Like Jenna Rowland's character in Opening Night. Oh, thank God. I've been I, so aided and abetted by the people around her that she feels she can behave in any way she feels. Literally, I'm going to say I, the word feels or not wants, but feels. I am so happy that you saw that movie. Ugh. Opening Night. It, did you love it? I loved it. Wasn't it's really it? one of those movies where you watch it and you're like, wow, like... There's movies and then yeah. there's movies, Movie. honey. <laughs> yes, I mean, yes, that, like that movie is a work of art. It's not, yeah. it's not like just like some movie. It's really I'm getting like, really oh hot God. just by you talking about it. It's turning my whole body into a furnace. I'm sweating and I have to take off a layer of clothing. Like it good, is good. Yeah. It Get is ready. literally my favorite movie, period. Um, if someone was to be like, what's your favorite movie? I'd be like, opening night. Um, uh, I talk about it. I have talked about that movie so many times in analysis. I don't even know where to begin. And um, I saw it when I was uh, early 30s. And when I, the first, people were like, you have to see opening night. You know, it was kind of like possession where people are like, Jack, you're going to lose your mind. And I saw it when I went to Interlochen and was at Interlochen for six weeks. So that sounds like a recipe for disaster, quite frankly. Well, well, what was incredible was feeling, you know, being at Interlochen and being reminded of, you know, my childhood and then my inner child and then being in a house alone watching that movie. I was like, oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was really something. It's it's sort of like, you know, I, I had as I as I. I think I told you I, was, I watched Let Them Talk and the acting in Let Them Talk is so incredible. I was like, wow, this is so great. And, you know, and it is this thing of like, it's, there is just simply not a lot of that kind of nuanced, quiet acting anymore. Mm-hmm. And opening night is a real learn it, 
learn it. Well, my God. Also, I mean, how could I not like it as the movie itself is this whole like comment indictment on like the dumbness of theater, just in terms of the way that it immediately juxtaposes like excellent filmic acting next to totally dodo brain stage acting. (sighs) And then how the audience is just like so fooled, like anything to them. They're like laughing, enjoying. They don't even understand what's going on on stage because the actors don't either. You know what? I don't know if I know anyone who hates theater as much as you do. Uh, All the scenes of this movie where they were just straight up doing the play. I was like, wow, this play is so dumb. It's really, what about her contempt for the playwright? And when well, when the playwright mean, comes to like, her dressing room, when her playwright comes to her dressing room and she's like, well, I was hoping we could be friends in general and smiles and goes, oh, I don't think we'll ever be friends. <laughs> it's with the cigarette in her uh, hand. And the playwright is just so disappointed when her show's premiering and Jenna Rollins is barely like, you know, she's mumbling through it. But my <laughs> God. And then she and John Cassavetes at the end just hamming it up. The playwright stuff, the audience loved it. And kind of, and it feels like maybe making up their own, it's hard to tell. Like, are are they doing the play by the end? Are they making it up on their own? You know, so when Parker did Broken English, which is, it's really up there as one of my favorite performances by Parker. And she, Jenna Rollins was playing her mom. And because it was directed by Zoe Cassavetes, the daughter Mm -hmm. of Jenna and John. And, um, Parker got together with Jenna before they started shooting and she and the first thing she said was I, I'm sorry just to begin I have to ask how did you feel doing opening night and she's like imagine how I felt when I opened the script written by my husband you know it's like I mean John mm-hmm. I mean, the the thing about, and the thing with a lot of Cassavetti's movies is there's there's room for improv in in there. Mm-hmm. And um, and when they were shooting, it's shot, you know, even though it's supposed to take place in New Haven, it's shot in L.A. and um, with some of the exteriors in New Haven and, uh, and of course, New York. But um, the theater that they're in is in L.A. And yeah. uh, John would... Um, between takes would just improvise in front of the audience to just keep them laughing. Cause they, they were just, you know, extras sitting there all day. Right. And he would just like that. He, that he wrote it the way he cast himself as like the ex-husband who's like embittered that his career is behind his ex-wife. Mm-hmm. Who's like, you're not a woman to me anymore. You're a star, you know, just it's, Oh my God. And that is she confronted by her inner child or is it a Dybbuk? Because she goes to that, she goes to visit the girl's family and you know, it's right. And they're like, please don't be here. Completely. That was so amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Did you love it? Well, because she, I mean, it was hard to not sympathize in some ways with her, but also like hard to not just kind of, laugh at her and be like snap out of this you are acting insane like i am so over identified with her i am so indulgent jack the way that she (laughs) behaved really 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 awful i am absolutely absolutely so uh, just it's why i have lines from her in moma may which the only i also the only I mean, review I, I ever got that got that I have lines from opening night and Mama May from opening night was um, in uh, Melbourne. And it was like, pretty sure okay, these lines are from opening night. <laughs> incredible. Mm-hmm. I mean. When I was yeah, 17, I, I could do anything. see based on like your trajectory over the last few years that like mm. opening night has been a profound influence on you. well i mean already was feeling like one in my early 30s and then as i got older just i was like "Uh uh-oh then Um, you were like oh my god i'm almost i'm getting close to her age in the film i better start (laughs) literally losing my mind (laughs) oh wow it's so good well you know what i thought like it was 
when I was watching the movie and they kept like making reference to, wow, like you're, you're aging and like, that's what this show's about. It's about an aging woman and her dealing with it. And like, you're go you're having hot flashes and she's like, no, I'm not. Yeah. And then like, I was like, well, is this one of those Hollywood movies where like a 35 year old actress from the olden days is like, I'm ancient. But I was like, so I looked it up and she actually was quite a bit older than that. And I was like, well, that's beautiful. Like she actually, she looks beautiful. Like so this beautiful. whole thing makes more sense that way. Well, and also, you know, this isn't a Hollywood movie. This is, I mean, Cassavetes is really such the, uh, such a huge starter of American independent cinema. So him and Jenna would right. take these like, you know, he would do like garbage roles in, um, these like stupid sci-fi movies or whatever that it was such an eye roll for him. They'd save up well, their money and then they would make their own films. Uh, yeah. This movie, I, I Faces, story. Shadows. Which story? I read that story of how he went in <laughs> when he was young to um, basically play a prank on the people at like the Lee Strasberg studio or one of the like fancy acting studios. I don't think I know this story. Well, he went in with his like... Um, uh, I guess writing partner or somebody and oh. they like came in under the premise that they would be like, they would be performing their prepared monologues and they came in, they had nothing prepared. They totally improvised and the people at the studio totally ate it up and like gave them a scholarship. They're like, you're incredible. And they were like, yeah. thank you. We made that up <laughs> on oh, the spot. Did they say they made it up? Did they let them know? I can't remember the ending to that story, but it definitely was like they played a prank on They them. definitely walked out and like had a cigarette and went to a diner. I mean, it's... Totally. It's uh, Cassavetti, my love for both of them. And I mean, what a what a relationship. What just a incredible relationship of making work together and figuring it out as they went along. I mean, they they're they're such a... Uh, there's photos of them that I've texted to Jeremy before to be like, this is, you know, our North Stars, because I ultimately just want to... I made so much of my work so that I had something to perform in that I actually wanted to perform. And um, uh, that's, you know, I don't know. I mean, that's the that's the goal, is, is certainly to to make movies and you know and Jenna Rollins like myself is from Wisconsin except she's from Madison but I did I was born mm. in Madison I did read that I thought wow she's but so I beautiful also, she's so beautiful you're the and producer's I, wife the producer's wife is the writer Mm-mm. oh I know no no man oh the who dances around it oh, the she's director's incredible. wife yeah. yeah I am obsessed with her <laughs> I knew you would be yeah yeah you are definitely uh, her. Just always kind of like standing in the background, like what even the fuck? And just being like, oh. I'm so bored. Or when she's like, when she goes and she's like, I'm getting in the car. I'm going to go eat. When she oh, leaves. Totally. When, when she walks into the bedroom that first night and she dances through the door and then falls onto the bed and then falls off the bed. She dives. Like, she dives under the bed. She goes, whoosh. She really is me. I loved her. Love, love, love. Yeah. And she goes, uh... She goes, you talk and I listen. Um, she had to be in the movie to be to stand in juxtaposition to Jenna Rollins, who was just like... What about that they stand by a poster called The Second Woman? Amazing. You know, it's really... Amazing. That shot of them and, you know, and, her, and him being like, you've got to be with her to help her be a woman and her kind of being like, oh, please. Or when Jenna Rollins calls and she's like, it's 4 a.m., you know, totally. or when she looks at him and she's like, I'm dying. I'm dying. You know how I'm dying? Cause I'm so bored, <laughs> you know? And, um, <laughs> and she's really, and, but she also has a sense of her own kind of admiration for Jenna Rollins being so unhinged. Well, that is, that is at the end of the day, the only reason that she's allowed to have any of these behaviors is that she's so incredibly talented and magnetic and so everybody's like yeah oh just let her do it and also like we'll we'll put her on stage no matter what well and just she's total abuse and but she's not she's great to the people you know she's great to the people backstage overall she's only only nice to the people backstage 
Well, when you've been in a play and you have to act with people who you can't, you know, in a play you can't stand with people who are driving you nuts, who can't wait to hit you across the face. I mean, it's like the men in this movie really are like, it's fine to hit women. Do you see what? So, you know what I mean? Like, I kind of don't feel given her circumstances that she's behaving badly. I'm like, well, Jack, I'm sorry. But like, yes, she's obviously in a situation where she's been abused woman, but she's also like she's in a place in terms of her fame where she can make choices. That's true. She's and she is in the suite at the top of the hotel that what about her? What about that hotel suite she's in? My favorite. I don't even know where they where did they decide to film such a thing. They were like this kind of like decrepit loft at the top of this thing. We're gonna like kind of stage it as a hotel penthouse suite. I'm like that looks absolutely a hotel would never back ever. back in the day. I think there were hotels that were like this. And oh my god, when she has a cigarette hanging out of her mouth and she grabs like you know the bottle and has her script in the hand, it's like so familiar. When, when I was an actor and was still drinking, yikes, bikes. It was really, I've also had the experience of like going to do a play and being like, I don't know if I'm going to get through this, which is what was so wild of watching the, this, her when she has to get through a play and remembering needing to like go on stage and being like, I hope I don't throw up and just, just being I mean, so drunk. Um, How about being any of the other actors in the show and being like, God, I hope she even shows up. God, I hope she says a line. What about when she shows up at the end when they don't know where she's been and the director is like, don't touch her to the producer when he's like, just let her go. Let her do it. It's crazy. And she's just crawling. So, you know, and let me say that my favorite thing Evo Van Hove has done is his stage adaptation of this. Who played her? It, it was all his coterie from uh, the Netherlands. So mm. it's, it you know, it was all in Danish. Um, and uh, it was, instead of it being a play, it was a, a, a live TV show, basically. Uh-huh. And so there were, that was the reason for all the cameras going around. And then the cameras themselves became kind of liminal in terms of like, Sometimes they're shooting the TV show. Sometimes they're shooting their private lives. So I loved, it's my, it was my favorite time. It was my favorite use of Evo having like a real dramaturgical reason for cameras on stage. Um, That was really exciting. And they, it was in the Harvey. And so when she's drunk and they have to find her, they did this whole thing of the cameras running around the Harvey and then finding her in some stairwell. (laughs) Of the Harvey <laughs> and like following as they brought her out and got her coffee and um, it was it it was great and I saw it before I saw the movie so I'd had this one experience with it of being like this is the most amazing thing and then I saw the movie and I was like this is the most <laughs> amazing well, thing well because you know movies movies my God oh, were you surprised so, when the girl so, got hit so by the good. car. Um, yeah, yeah, but it did, it was a chaotic scene. I, I, I did find the, well, maybe that was just what it was like before in the olden days, but like the demographic of people who were like screaming after her outside the theater, I was like, this is teenage women. Like, this is not her demographic. Like, like for an actress like this, I was like, who are these, these, these wouldn't be the fans. It, it would be, absolutely would be, for no. sure. You should watch when people lined up to have Betty Davis sign copies of their books when she's like, you know, in her 60s. It's young women? It is, it's every kind of person you can imagine. It well, is, that's what I'm telling you. It was problematic because it was like exclusively young women. Well, there were some young women and then there were some, I think there were other people there too. These are also the people who go to the stage door who are actually going to want to go to the stage door to get a, an autograph. Like, right, because right. I'm sorry, but like who above 30 is going to do that? You know, it's like... Well, not, pe- not us. Never. I was like, what am I eating? Um, <sighs> so it's... I, d- I also, you know, we don't... One has a sense that Myrtle 
has also done film by this point. And oh, yeah, she's a famous movie actress. So, and kind of picture it if, like, Angelina Jolie was in a play and was, you know, coming off stage, just sort of, do you know what I mean? Well, just be only gay men, only gay men outside the <laughs> stage door. <laughs> this is fun. Okay, what if it's... Um, what if it's uh, I can't think of any other anyone. If it's Isabelle Huppert, it's it's just, just me. You. It's only <laughs> it's you. I knew that's what I was waiting for. That's what I was waiting for. It's true. It's true. It's just you. Um, did you have a favorite scene in the movie? Oh, well, I texted you after there had already been the dispute over being slapped and uh-huh. she'd already made this huge scene during a rehearsal. Yes. And you know, the writers, the writer's husband producer man was very concerned. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And then they get on stage with an audience uh-huh. and he slaps her and she falls to the ground and um, she doesn't get up. And that was, that was one of my last posts it was like, I don't remember. I think I posted that. Right. It's when the it, when she finally does stand up and she just is like she has left the play and yeah. she's just speaking quietly to John Cassavetes. And I was like, this is the play I want to see. And she because goes, like, it's okay. It's okay, Maurice. We, I love uh, you. You're a wonderful and the actor. Is probably like the audience is probably like this is the best play I've ever seen, and I'm like yes because it's real life, honey. Because <laughs> we must never forget, it's only a play. I mean, so beautiful with tears, with like her makeup just full running, and then they're just like bring the curtain down, bring the curtain down. That's uh, gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah, that it gorgeous. It's only a play really, really gets me. Um, the scene that I remember seeing when I was at Interlock in the scene, it's hard to remember a movie sending like such electric shockwaves and full chills all over my body is mm-hmm. when she's in her dressing room and she looks to her right and the camera goes out of focus enough. And it's a close-up on an eye, and it's but it's a younger eye. Mm. And then she, like, mm. reaches her hand out, and the girl's younger hand goes to touch her hand. And, like, just the way... And, they, and I think they've shot part of it in the mirror so that there's, like, this halo around her. Mm-hmm. I mm. was, like, full terror. Like, it... It really was the sense of, because that sense of nostalgia or of that time, and I think, and COVID certainly in decontextualizing our lives, I I mean, I've had these sense memories of times when I was younger, especially being, like, being upstate in, in a terrain that's far more like where I grew up is it's always like where am i like when am i what self of me is coming forward i mean that was such mm-hmm. a driving force it, certainly it's a moma may and then of course that i kind of that gets explored and everything is imaginable in act two of this sense of time collapse um uh, i do wish that in this film my one complaint please is that I wish they had not gone really much further than that in terms of this, like, younger self Dybbuk character. Mm. I mean, I I appreciated her presence, but by the time they were, like, going to a seance to Mm. try to, like, do it to get rid of this, you know, like, I was a little like, "I, I don't need, I don't need this. And I mean, neither did Jenna Rowland. She was like, I don't need this. But... I didn't need them to, like, have a fight, you know, at the end. Um. So I think when I first saw it, I was like, that is over. That's that's a bit over the top. And then having gone to psychics, <laughs> I, I, I get it. I think it's totally necessary. I think it's, you, also, you know, it's also people in the theater who are like, 
Well, you know, I know this. I also, what I love about it is the, how quotidian it is for the playwright to know not only one, but two <laughs> psychics that, <laughs> totally. that, that she has. And that is actually really it. That is so true. I mean, that when someone was like, oh, I have a really great astrologer for this, but I could also introduce you to this astrologer. I mean, having gone through that, numerous times or you know having like accidentally joined a cult like this it's through friends who are in the performance world that actually that that part of the story I actually think is really great and because that actually is the side of theater dance performance art um that you are certainly like, no thanks, I don't even want to like hear about it. Mm-hmm. But I think is actually really common. And so there's this way in which how common it is gets shot by Cassavetes. And also that the second psychic is so shocked by her. Like she, she really like freaks the second psychic out. This is at the apartment? Yeah, or wherever. Yeah, I guess. Like, I don't know if that woman's in a hotel or she lives at the plaza. Like, it's hard to say what exactly is going on with a second psychic. Wait, wait, wait. There's the scene where she goes, she's driven to the city to go mm-hmm. to the psychic. And there's all those people and they're going to do a seance. Yeah, and you have a sense that that woman really knows what's up. Because she's like, Jenna Rollins' hands are, have been, you know, are dirty. And that's the sign when like a Dybbuk like rubs against you or a right, ghost. Right, and then who's the second psychic? So then she like, she's like, I'm not doing this, I'm not doing this. And she goes back to her her room in New Haven where she is beaten up and then has to like go right. downstairs and be led into the playwright's room and then well, smashes. Well, she tricks the maid and, to let her into the playwright's room and, where she smashes her face. And mm-hmm. smashes her face into the door jam and she goes, don't worry, I'm doing it to myself. Um, and then she says, can I sleep here? Yeah. yeah, she's brought, she's brought like enough of her clothes down. Um, and then she's like, you've got to help me. You, Sarah, you've got to help me. You've got to take me to someone else. You got to take me to someone else. And the player's like, Jesus. And then she takes her to meet a second <laughs> psychic. <laughs> and the woman, and she's like, and as Sarah, the playwright goes to her, you've got to deal with this bitch. <laughs> Incredible. About Jenna Rollins. And then Jenna Rollins, like, goes up to her room, and there, there her inner child, or Dybbuk, is, and she has to kill her. So she does. Yeah. And and then goes on, like, a tremendous drinking spree. And it's... Which we um, don't get to see, which is great. We don't. We don't need to see it. We just know that she has to disappear, and uh, she's kind of... She's confronting integration and what it means to be herself. And yeah. it wow. is Jack, devastating. Really, really analyze this movie. I have seen it, and I've seen it all the way through. Mm, it's up there. Like, the movies I've seen the most are this movie, The Bitter Tears of Petra Von Kant, Possession, Showgirls. Mm, that's probably yeah I like the piano teacher's a little too hard <laughs> to watch all the way through but mm. I've definitely seen yeah. numerous scenes and I have absolutely seen Batman Returns a lot of the scenes in that a lot wow I mean it's a great this was a great movie it was a great great movie I just I can't recommend she, it enough uh, wasn't nominated for an Oscar just saying I mean she was nominated for other films but not this one which is insane and it's an independent it's an independent film. It doesn't... I don't think it gets nominated for anything. Well, it was nominated... She was nominated for a Golden Globe for her performance in opening night. Well, and yes, then, because the Golden Globes... I mean, now, well, absolutely. But back then, were far more likely to nominate an indie. Whereas the ho- whereas I, Oscars were like, no way. Through my research of that year, I thought, how is it possible she would win the Oscar for this movie? So I looked to who else had been nominated that year. And it looks like the Turning Point had done a real campaign to get everyone nominated mm-hmm. because that movie, both Shirley MacLaine and Anne Bancroft were nominated. Baryshnikov was nominated. Mm-hmm. Leslie Brown was nominated for what is like literally only a dance performance. Mm-hmm. 
And then the movie, I think, won maybe Best Picture, though the actors did not win because Diane Keaton won for Annie Hall. <sighs> and I do and have to say have it. it is Diane Keaton's best work. Besides Looking for Mr. Goodbar, which is truly, which I would maybe say is Diane Keaton's best work and is truly one of the most terrifying movies ever. If, right. you know, when, when COVID is over and people are back to... um more casual sex. And if you ever feel like your casual sex is getting out of control, just watch looking for Mr. Goodbar and it will it'll set you straight. It'll curb you back. Have you seen it? Yeah. How did you see it? It was probably came up on like, you know, um, oh God, it doesn't exist well, off of VHS. No, no. In the old days on when I, my mom had all those movie channels. And so I would oh, wow. be on like, Flicks or whatever. I and then can't it'd be like, up you, next, read, searching for Mr. Goodbar. Looking for Mr. Keaton. Goodbar. I said, I like, I like Diane Keaton. You yes, and I, I are the it. only people who've seen it in our generation. That's not true. In <laughs> our generation. I'm not kidding. I mean, I had to watch it because a friend of mine had a VHS. Wow. And Well, I used to be the only person in my generation who'd seen Men Don't Leave, but now you have. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's true. Great movie. Great movie. I mean, opening night's more my thing. Um, yes, it's real. Very different. Those films could could not be more different. <laughs> they are. They're very. They're, they're very different. But they they're are both about films. a women having having emotional breakdowns. Yes. Yes. And um, incredible actresses having emotional breakdowns is the Venn diagram of men don't leave an opening night. <laughs> Yes, and I think we're both, you know, I think we can both relate in like in our in our own ways yeah, to these yeah, different yeah, yeah. movies. You relate to that one and um, I relate to I relate to opening night. I have a little bit of dance reporting to do this week. Oh wow. Okay. Literally just saying that out loud made me so tired. <laughs> <laughs> I just had taken a sip of coffee, and as you said, saying that out loud made me so tired. It went up and into the back of my nose. Mmm, oh. mm, coffee. Well, um, I, I've got a new. Everyone, check out a coffee neti pot. <laughs> oh, gross! I've been putting a little bit of ca- a cardamom in my coffee in the mornings. It's delicious. That is so you. Okay, so what's this dance reporting? Um, well, before I start the dance reporting, I also saw like a two minute clip of um, Fran Drescher from The Nanny, um, there, a clip from the sitcom where she goes out for sushi with this blonde woman who hates her uh-huh. and she's never had sushi, but she's trying to pretend as if she understands it. So she asks the woman, you know, what is this green stuff? And she's like, oh, that's oh, no. wasabi. It's like it's like mustard. And Fran Drescher goes, I love mustard. Oh no! <laughs> she, oh no! She puts like two tablespoons of it onto <laughs> one like little cucumber roll, and then she eats it. And okay. then she, of course, like does like buffoon buffoonery, physical acting. comedy. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then when she like actually stands back up, she's like, "Wow, that stuff really clears out your sinuses, huh?" Yeah, yeah, and it she does. Spe- she's but she speaks in totally, she moves her register into her chest and it's really, really funny. And then, she's oh. like, and then she's like, I wonder how long it'll last. You know, and then she goes right back up into her. <laughs> <laughs> that really got me. That it's really, hilarious. <laughs> that really got me. Well, you know what my favorite, kind of my favorite way to experience like a, comic tv show is through you telling it to me a tv show or podcast i really when it's a comic i just prefer you you telling it to me it makes it really gets me oh that is so good um okay so anyways i've now in terms of my media consumption i've watched mm. all of tiny pretty things wow and i've watched all of on point the school of american ballet six-part documentary series on disney wow. plus wow so what's amazing is that both of these were released at the same time they're both about being in a high level ballet school 
Mm-hmm. They and both that. have attempted murder <laughs> in it. Uh, they, and, uh, that's where the similarities do end, is the fact that they... both have directors jamming um, steroids into their feet. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. Um, but I... Um, Tiny Pretty Things was a show that I... I still have some curiosity about. I've spoken with Barton about it somewhat at length. Um, And the most amazing thing I found out about Tiny Pretty Things. So do you remember June Park's mom? Yeah, I'm obsessed with her. Uh, So June Park and her mom are my obsession with Tiny Pretty Things. Uh And obviously Barton, because we love him. Yeah, he's so incredible. Yeah. Um, So... At the first table read, June Park, who's a British ballerina, came in and was reading her part, which was written as an American ballet student. Uh And at the table read, the director was like, you know what? Or the writer or the director was like, "Um, just Just do do your regular. Just do your Mm -hmm. British accent. Just do your British accent. And she was like, oh, great. Okay. So in that moment, her character shifted and the actress the Canadian or American actress who'd been hired to play June's mom was already was unbeknownst to her now going to have to have a British accent. (laughs) And when she showed up, when she showed up to set, they were like, Oh, by the way, June is British now. Oh, they didn't tell her until she got to set. Well, she, I think that she was already there, right? They were about to start. Mm, Well, no, because you do the the table read all happens like before shooting, like, uh, with a plenty of time to well, alert someone. Well, the way someone. that Barton told me, it was as if she didn't receive a phone call that her character changed. Uh-huh. She just showed up to shoot her uh-huh. scenes, and they were like, "By the way, it well that that tracks with um, like Netflix shows shot in Vancouver. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> like, it and tracks so this- with a kind of like surprise. We have to keep going. Uh huh. But so this actress was like so kind of like shocked that she was like well the only way i'm gonna get through this is if i if i don't leave this accent i have to stay in it all the time so she she never left her accent while she was while she was on set for tiny pretty things method uh uh-huh. she was being a method netflix actress which is mm-hmm. amazing mm-hmm. she's fantastic on the show Ugh, best part um okay so then i finally get around to watching on point which is basically, it documents about six months, seven months in, no, not even. It documents really a lot about four months at School of American Ballet from September of 2019 until all the COVID, what have you. Mm -hmm. But most of what you end up seeing only goes through December because Mm -hmm. I imagine they had planned on filming through may june workshop performances Mm -hmm. but they were not able to so they ended up kind of like bolstering the front end of the show with a ton of nutcracker stuff that's what i was gonna guess yeah i was really like by episode four i was like enough (laughs) with the nutcracker enough but i will say (laughs) that if you do want to see what it is like, especially for the young kids to be in a ballet school like School of America Ballet, it's ama- It's an amazing show. And it is incredibly touching. These kids are so incredible and beautiful and kind and funny. And I really loved watching the show for these children that they followed. Um, and I know. It was, and, and they really chose some like hearts of gold i mean they also followed some basic school of american ballet students which are like rich white kids who have like Mm. boring parents but (laughs) it was (laughs) your read of it read when you when you yeah yeah i i i do it's just so hilarious when you say it and when you say it how you say it um, yeah, like one of their parents was like one of the sort of more basic characters' parents was like, 
well, you know, we used to drive out east on Long Island to cut down a Christmas tree that we would choose. But now, you know, because she's so, you know, invested in this whole thing, you know, we we can't leave for the whole day. We can't go that far away to get the tree. So we do it here. We do it. We get the tree much closer. And basically all of our winter activities. Well, in fact, we've had to kind of like build our lives around her going to ballet. And I was like. How dare you, like, speak about this as some sacrifice to your child? Like, that is not how you, that is not how you present this, the facts of the matter of her going to ballet. Because then this child in turn was like, look, I know it's a huge sacrifice for uh-huh. my family that I go mm-hmm. to ballet. I was like, you're 10 years old. Totally. That sh- should totally. not be how you are seeing this whole endeavor. Yeah, I remember having a therapist once where I was like, well, my parents did do some good stuff. Like, I remember they drove me um, to these play rehearsals and the therapist was like, I hate to break it to you, but that's like kind of part of being a parent. Exactly. She was like, parents, parents, uh, if, you know, they, they assist with like their child's, it's what it's in school. It's called extracurricular activities. And we know psychologically that they're helpful to have that they help broaden your worldview and that they're part of actually helping you become an adult. And And look, I'm, I'm sure it's a drag. I'm sure it's annoying to get your child to ballet like four or five days a week and then like pay for their shoes and but, 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 but like, no, you don't make that apparent to them. That's something you gossip about, gossip about with your partner. Uh, big time. Uh, can you imagine? Uh, uh, and that the child knows, you know, know. is so such depressing. a... Yeah. Yeah. Well, familiar. But it was um, the, the picture they painted of School of American Ballet was like, obviously somewhat sanitized, especially for the upper division students. But um, yeah, it was what do you great. Mean? And I think... Well, they, all of the kids who they follow in upper division who are like, you know, the 16, 17, 18 year olds who live in the dorms are all right. like on a trajectory towards being in a company uh-huh. and all wanting to be in New York City Ballet. Mm-hmm. They definitely were like following the kids who like weren't getting into trouble. I see. You know. Right. Who weren't being teenagers. So, totally. Like we right. didn't get to experience the like center stage drama of it all. That, that didn't right. exist. They were but, following um, a you as a teenager instead of a me as a teenager. Precisely. Precisely. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I really loved lovely. the idea of when you're talking about this family who was like, you know, we used to drive out to get the Christmas tree, but now we have to do it here. And I wanted it to cut to seeing the, the mom cutting down a pine tree in Central Park. <laughs> <laughs> with an axe and just being like my daughter's career comes first while like chopping down a pine tree in central park um my god by by the time you get to the end and like you literally basically know all the choreography for all of the children's parts in nutcracker you're like we already like i know all the choreography for all the children's so parts boring. in Nutcracker. I know all the choreography through that whole show by now. So can you imagine? Wow. But yeah, I highly recommend tough. I highly recommend watching it just to see the joy of these children who get cast to play Marie and the Prince. Aww. And Oh, that's it's really so sweet. It's amazing. It's that amazing. is so sweet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds so sweet. I uh last night went back to watch because something I got into when I was upstate was watching Jeopardy. Really? Live. I was watching Jeopardy live and then, you know, find it like De- finding De- out that, that he's, uh, was dying and that these, that so many of these episodes were shot while he was. And it was just, uh, and you know, there's people who really, I've known some people who've been on Jeopardy and, um, for the college divi- or whatever that is, like when they do like, what I, I don't know what that's called. And um, there's this guy who's on Jeopardy and he lives in New York and his name is Austin something and he's a bartender and he is so funny. Oh my God. Guess how many episodes, so I, cause I went back last night to just like watch, Jeremy put it on to just watch like old episodes of it. And um Guess oh, that's how what many you're watching on your new giant television on on the on the TV that we 
that we got ourselves for Christmas. Guess what? Um, oh, and he wrote me. Um, so I wrote him to be like, I've really been enjoying uh, watching you. His name is Austin Rogers, and he is a New Yorker. He, like, is so funny. And I uh, guess how many episodes he was on? This is College Division? Nope, this is regular division. He's a bartender in New York, never gave up his bartending job. I think he's a bartender in Hell's Kitchen. For- Guess 14. how many episodes he was in. You're right. You're kidding. And he, I'm not, I'm not. It was, it's 13 or, it's, it's 13 or 14. Guess how much money he wow. won by the end. $300,000. $416,000. Wow, I really know Jeopardy pretty well. Um, watching him play the game is so fun. You should go and watch these Austin Rogers Jeopardy uh, scenes because he does this I'm incredible so thing. Where in paid for being smart, it's great. When the, and he does this thing where in the beginning where they introduce him and they'll and they'll be like, "Who's today's winnings?" And sometimes he'll lip sync along with the announcer. Or he'll do things like he did this one where he'll like reach into his suit jacket and pull out an imaginary like um, pocket watch to wind up or one he pretends to like answer a phone call. <laughs> it's he is. Wait, and the do they ever cut to Alec Trebek, Alex Trebek laughing? They they as the show as it goes on. I mean, I only watched like three episodes with him because they're each like eighteen minutes long, and I actually I just can't watch anything too long right now. I, I don't know why my brain's fried, but um, trauma. Um, I uh, it got to this point where Alex Trebek would come out and he'd be like, and of course we have today our shy and retiring Austin Rogers. <laughs> <laughs> You know, he's really, and, um, and Austin like grew up in the middle of nowhere on like a nature reserve in upstate, uh, New York. And, um, this guy is on in one episode and he talks about like confronting a bear when he's like with his wife somewhere after he's like passed the bar exam. And Alex goes to Austin. He's like, well, Austin, you grew up in a nature reserve. Did you ever confront any wild animals? Um, and he was like, uh, just drunk college students. <laughs> <laughs> Incredible. Yeah. He's really, it's a watch for Austin Rogers. I just adore him. Um, adore him as a New Yorker. There's, they have this one category is called bunnies. Um, this one I was watching and every time he goes to select it, he goes bunnies. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, he's really uh, he's really fun, and um, and it seems okay. Uh, Austin yeah, that's Rogers. it. Austin Rogers I, I, Jeopardy. I have one other recommendation. Okay. In addition to your mm-hmm. recommendation. Great. Yes, because we're coming sh- to time. I need to go for a run. There's maybe a half an hour documentary on net, on uh, YouTube about Felia Dubrovska, who was um, a very well known Russian ballerina from from early in the 20th century who, who came to America and ended up teaching at the school of American ballet. Mm-hmm. And, um, she's kind of the lesser known ballerina to, um, Danilova. Uh, but they're, they're, um, contemporaries. So, but she is so funny and such a delight and people speak of her with so much love. And, and the people who are talking about her are, um, Allegra Kent, Maria Caligari, uh, Tanakia LeClaire, <laughs> Maria Talchief. Um, uh-huh. And so it's just the like stars. this amazing uh-huh. stars, stars. Uh-huh. And so I would highly, highly recommend watching this documentary, if only to watch Maria Caligari sitting on her couch with two orange cats beside her sleeping, speaking in like the most absurdly New York accent you've ever heard. I was amazed. Amazed. What is, amazed. Do you know what the documentary is called? Just look up Felia Dubrovska on um on YouTube and you you can't you'll it'll go it'll happen. How do you like, spell her first be... name? F E L I A. Okay, I wasn't sure if it was an F or a P H we were going with, but I'm gonna go. I'll, I, I assume you're right. It's probably as probably as Felia. Oh my god! I just re- re- like thought of a high school crush I had when I was young, and his name was Felix. Isn't that a great name? Oh, what a great name! Yeah. What a great name. 
Um, wait, did I have something else? I know <gasps> we're at time. Oh, I think I had something else too that was a suggestion. Well, you'll just have to tune in next week, ladies and mother. We loves you. And we um, loves you. keep sending the positive vibes and may we all be getting vaccinated soon. Speed Enjoy the plow. Enjoy the inauguration next week. Hopefully you won't die. Hi, Dance and Stuff listeners. This is Margaret Fuhrer. I'm the editor and producer of the Dance Edit podcast. Like you, we love Reed and Jack over at the Dance Edit. And if you get especially excited when they turn into journalists and do reporting, we think you might like our podcast too. The Dance Edit podcast is a weekly dance news show. It's hosted by me and three other editors from Dance Media. We work on Dance Magazine and Dance Spirit and Point. And every Thursday, we discuss and sometimes yell a little bit about the week's top dance news stories. And then we interview one of the dance artists who's shaping the news. And our recent interview guests have actually included a few dance and stuff friends. We've had Kyle Abraham, we've had Lloyd Knight. Basically, we've built a nice little nerdy community, and we hope you'll join it. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts and at thedanceedit.com slash podcast. <laughs>